Welcome to Sweet Talk. This broadcast is brought to you by the Continuing Education Workforce Training Division of Idaho State University's College of Technology. This podcast is part of our continuing outreach efforts and the format is conversational. We will be having conversations with businesses, professionals, entrepreneurs, community agencies, and in all cases, difference makers. Now, let's get started with Sweet Talk. coordinator here at Idaho State University continuing education workforce training and I have here with me two great guys I've got um, Chris Parrott and Scott Strupp both from Portneuf Air Rescue um, we are happy to have them here today and hoping that they can just tell us a little bit about themselves and what they do with Portneuf Air Rescue so just by way of introduction, if you could maybe we'll start with Chris and just have um, you say just a little bit about yourself and um, what your role is. Okay, great. Yeah, well, thanks for having us here. Um, yeah, uh, my name is Chris Parrott. I'm a flight paramedic with Portland Fair Rescue. I also operate as the clinical base manager, um, sort of like the little mini boss, if you will, for kind of keeping things day-to-day -day operations at the base going. Uh, I've been a flight paramedic since 2004. Um, I transitioned over from like firefighter paramedic to uh, to flight, um, and that's been a really great, challenging career since then. And uh, yeah, started in uh, Virginia and uh, moved out here about five years ago, um, and uh, came on with Classic, and it's been really great. That's awesome. So, how did you transition from? the mainstream fire department, EMT, into air rescue. What kind of drove you to that, and how did you get there? Right, yeah. So, um, you know, my career growing up, uh, I always was like, oh, I really want to be, you know, this paramedic and this firefighter. And uh, so I got the job with the fire department, and it was great. And uh, I sort of then realized that I kind of started liking the medicine more than fighting the fire. Uh, not that that wasn't great, but my challenge and my interest really started going more toward the medicine and then looking at kind of the call volume that we were doing on the street compared to what a couple friends were doing that had flight jobs I was kind of jealous they were out like doing all these like awesome trauma calls and <laughs> all these cool things and I'm like oh really I'm like up all night and you know you guys are doing kind of the cool stuff so I just sort of gravitated toward that so um, using those guys as role models I started like increasing my education with critical care knowledge um, and uh, applied for a flight job and was lucky enough to get it. That's awesome. So yeah, and it's been it's been pretty much uphill since then, I think. Very good, thank you. All right, Scott. Yeah, uh, Scott Strupp, <coughs> uh, work as a one of the flight nurses uh, there at Port and Affair Rescue uh, with Classic, um, and I um, I do fly full time as a nurse, and then I work and do the PR. Uh, outreach education for the base. Uh, so I go around to a lot of the different referring hospitals, uh, make sure that they have what they need to contact us uh, when, when they need to, so it's super quick and smooth. Um, and so I do a lot of outreach and um, coming on podcasts and do stuff awesome. like that. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of yeah. my job. Work closely with Chris uh, to kind of help make sure the base moves forward and 
achieve the goals that the that the company has. So. That's great. So as a young nurse just coming out of nursing school, I thought I wanted to be a life flight nurse. I thought that would be so exciting and kind of cool. And then my nursing pathway took a different pathway. But I know that there is definitely a pathway that a nurse would have to go through in order to hit the life flight. Kind of tell us where you started and how you got there. Yeah. Uh, so my nursing uh, career started out here at ISU. I went to nursing school here. Uh, so uh, I'm an alumni from this university. I had no awesome. idea this was in the basement, so this is cool. Um, <laughs> but uh, went through nursing school here. Um, and while in nursing school, uh, really paid more attention to that critical care, um, to that air rescue type of um, job that I wanted in that career. Um, I always wanted to mix medicine with aviation, and you know those are my two passions. And so, um, being able to do that's um, uh, super awesome. And so, uh, what I did is uh, after nursing school, I applied to a critical care internship down at the University of Utah, which is a six-month internship, and all you do is rotate through ICUs and the ER at the U. And so, being a big level one trauma center, you get a lot of good exposure uh, to super critical and sick patients. Um, so I did that. I stayed on down there for three years and then also worked on the shock trauma ICU at IMC uh, to get more uh, ICU experience. Um, and so to be, um, to be a flight nurse, um, the experience is critical care experience. And it ranges depending on what company you apply for, but uh, generally it's about three to five years of uh, critical care experience in a level one or level two trauma center. And so um, I knew that, and uh, since day one of out of nursing school, that was the end goal, was to get on the helicopter, and so um, worked really hard for three, four years to get that experience, um, and that's, that's all I know is, is critical care, and so um, I, would, I would drown as a floor nurse, so you know, props <laughs> well, to those guys. <laughs> well, that's your pathway, right? Yeah. The pathway that you took, so that's yep. great. So tell me, um, you get a call that comes in. Tell me what happens. Like what, from the beginning kind of to the end? Yeah, I think really, I mean, Scott, you can chime in on this too, right? But um, we're set up kind of similar to way like you think of like a fire station. So we've got like um, a quarters that's like our living area. You know, we've got like the kitchen, the living room and bedrooms. And we're all just kind of hanging out there doing our day-to-day -day operation, you know? I mean, if we put cameras in there, I think we could, like, dominate daytime TV, you know, <laughs> and, like, work wives and husbands and doing our thing. And then, um, you know, but always in the back of our mind, we're kind of, like, ready to go. Mm -hmm. um, so we try to stay as ready as possible. So a call comes in. Uh, we'll get alert on our phone saying we're either getting uh, a weather check if the pilot has to make sure the weather is safe to fly, or we'll just get a direct launch if the weather is clear. And then when that happens, it's just boom. We kind of jump into action. Um, we move out into the hangar area uh, where we keep our aircraft, um, and we get all our supplies uh, that are just kind of just sitting there waiting for us. Um, set our medications into the aircraft, move it outside, and we take off. How many on the crew? Uh, so there's always the pilot, of course, um, and then there's always a nurse and a paramedic. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's just how pretty much every air medical is set up. So you need both. Yeah, and the way that's sort of designed is because we come with two separate backgrounds. So um, sure. I come with, like, that field background. So we respond to, like, crashes like on the <coughs> interstate, um, but we also do inter-hospital transfers from ICU to ICU. So we, we really cover that huge gamut of medicine. 
and we each have a crossover and understand each other's jobs, but we both have like our little core like education and we kind of rely on that. Like when I walk up into a really sick ICU patient, I kind of look to Scott like, help me. And you know, um, and, and I, I do the like, same on the scene. Yeah, so yeah. you land on the scene and someone's laying. I just follow know, Chris around. Ditch, you know, that I feel far more comfortable with that having been, you know, 20 years of doing that. So um, that's why that works. And neither of us can fly the thing, and that's where the pilot comes in. Right. <laughs> but if you do see us flying it, it's a really bad day. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. I can imagine. Yeah. So, oh, oh, I got a question. Okay. All right. Chris, uh, you referred to uh, when an event takes place and you're all brought into the hangar, and all the supplies are there and loaded in, into the aircraft. Is that a general load, or is it specific to what you already know the emergency is about? Like if it's a fire or something, you have a lot more you know, things that can be used to treat burns versus if it was just a crash, you can maybe have more bandages. Is it, is it is the load of emergency equipment that you take with you, is it always the same, the same. or is it specific to the emergency? It's pretty, um, we carry pretty much a standard stuff because we never know what we're going to get. And sometimes we'll launch uh, to go on a call and we won't really know exactly what the patient information is. So we pretty much have everything that we think we're going to basically encounter all the time. Um, <coughs> we may add something um, in advance if we know it's something really you know peculiar or something that's not standard. But most of the time, the only stuff we really have to put in there are medicines. And we kind of keep those, if they're like narcotics, they have to be locked up all the time. So we'll unlock those to put those on the aircraft. And we try to keep stuff that is temperature sensitive in a warm, controlled environment. So we'll usually just grab our medicines, put them on the aircraft. And the aircraft has pretty much got everything that we need all the time. We try to launch on um, a calls in good weather. We try to be off the ground from when we get the page to be in the air in less than 10 minutes during the daytime. And that extends out to about 15 minutes at night to kind of get over some of the sleep inertia for sleeping. And sometimes we beat those times pretty regularly. But that's kind of like our goal. Yeah. All right, great. And just a follow-up question. I mean, do you launch in all weather, or is the like Scott's got to be qualified zero zero for all weather? I don't know if if you have snowstorms and there's a bad emergency out there, can you launch on that or not? Um, yeah. If there's uh, so weather checks come in, um, we we all look together as a crew, um, and the pilot's able to take a look. Um, we have all the uh, weather reporting up on a computer. Um, and so it's, it's very much a crew um, uh, choice whether to go. Uh, we have the you know, three to go, one to say no. Um, if somebody's not feeling comfortable with it, uh, no questions asked, um, you know, there's, there's, there's no sense in doing that. Um, but uh, there are, yeah, we try and launch as often as we can, uh, but there are weather permits that, uh, rules that we have to follow with the FAA, uh, that the pilots have to follow, um, helicopters um, fly under a different certificate than the, than the fixed wing guys, they get to do some other stuff that we don't, so. And a lot of that's got to do with, um, helicopters don't have, well some do, but very few have like the ability to do any sort of de-icing. So we have to really look at the weather in the wintertime to find out what the moisture content of the snow is and the temperature to find out if we're going to develop up ice. If that's the case, we can't fly in a known or suspected icing condition because helicopters don't do well with that. They don't fly, actually. They 
crash. So <laughs> yeah. we have to look at that kind of stuff. And, and just to kind of go on what Scott was just saying about the three to go, one to say no, is if we're flying along and one of the crew members just doesn't feel comfortable about the weather, like the clouds keep getting lower, or the visibility is getting weird. Um, if they say, I just don't feel comfortable with this, we don't have an argument in the air about it. Like, come on, man, let's just do it. We land um, mm -hmm. and we discuss it later at a, at a safe time. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times they'll be like, I don't really feel great about this visibility. What's everyone else think? It usually starts with a conversation. Yeah. Um, but that already puts everybody on alert. Even if I'm comfortable with the weather, we might have like a newer person that's not as comfortable. And we don't go, oh, you're new. You don't get to have an opinion. We land and we call it. Huh. Um, and there's no punitive, you know, repercussion to saying, no, I don't feel comfortable in this weather. Yeah, because it doesn't help anyone if you guys have an accident. Yeah, yeah correct. Yep. Yes, we have to be very safe because us going out, we're not saving the person. Something bad could happen to us, and then it just further delays. It's just it's not a good place to be. So, do they typically have like a a first responder at the scene first, and then they call in air rescue, or do they sometimes are sometimes you the first person's called? To we, um, Historically, there's usually someone there because let, let's say, <clears throat> let's just say it's a car crash on 15 mm -hmm. or something. So, so usually that's going to start with a 911 call. Mm -hmm. um, 911 does have us programmed into their system, but it usually will start with unknown injuries. So they'll send like the paramedics, ground units, fire, and they'll get there and make an assessment based on how severe the patient is, what's going on, and then they may activate air rescue. That being said, we do have first responder status, so we can land without anyone there we're capable of landing and approaching uh, a scene of a crash or a medical emergency without having been pre pre called something on fire. a mountain that Correct. they haven't yes. been able to get into right yes okay. i would just say that i don't know would you say it seems like most of the time there's usually someone there before us that activates yeah. us in that scenario. okay but we can we can do both yeah. i think it's only happened once or twice that we've beat them there right and here it's it's generally it takes a while for the ground units to get there because they have to drive on roads and we can kind of bypass those. So yeah. Okay. We can get there a lot quicker. That makes sense. The aircraft is fast. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. It's so important, right? Yeah. So what is the craziest thing that you've ever had to respond to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not the craziest, <laughs> but like Chris and I had a call actually this summer and it was probably the, the most like my most fun call that I've gone on. Poor Chris got in the water before I could get in there, but um, <laughs> it was uh, it was it was up at um, at Bloomington Lake, and I think a lot of people in this area are pretty familiar with that. But I swear, somebody gets hurt on the rope swing every year. But um, we got called out to there, um, and our pilot Chad he made an awesome landing right at the lakeside. Um, and I don't know if anybody's been up there if you've seen that but it's it's, it's pretty tight quarters but a beautiful lake um and it was just uh, a patient had uh had, had, had broke broke her ankle um pretty bad uh we had to hike back around to her and then um and then she was half sitting in the water yeah. trying to use the uh the coolness to kind of like decrease swelling oh, of her leg yes. and she had this open fracture yeah like the bone is in the water and she's like do you think this is a good idea and i was kind of like <laughs> you're gonna need a lot of antibiotics I was like, uh no <laughs> that might not have been the greatest idea but 
<laughs> you did something. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. Probably but was making it, was, it feel better yes, anyway, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. It was tough to move, move her. She, you know, lots of pain, obviously, like ankles completely sideways, bone out. Um, and so, um, you know, we jump into that role. Chris gets down there, jumps in the water in his new boots. Yeah, and brand, uh, first brand new, brand new boots. Like Felt kind of bad. <laughs> I'm so glad I brought my brand new <laughs> yes, boots, right? Oh yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, medicated her appropriately, uh, got her out of pain. That was my job. And, um, and then search and rescue was there. They got a Stokes basket. We were able to get her in one of those, stabilize the ankle. And then we had to figure out how to get her around the lake to the helicopter. And uh, luckily, there was a lot more people up there, and uh, we commandeered a paddleboard. Yeah. Uh, put her on the paddleboard, paddleboard yeah. and uh, <laughs> you kind of get creative with certain situations. And walked Chris around. and everybody walked around the lake, and then I followed, and then got her in, and was able to load and get wow. her to the trauma center where she needed to go. So that was a fun call. I don't know if it's <laughs> it like the craziest thing. I mean, <laughs> you know. Bad things. I ruined my boots. Yeah, he had to get and new I was boots. Supposed to get off. I got off work like five yeah, I got hours off. Late. Yeah, <laughs> but that happens to Chris and I. We always get the shift change calls, yeah. so the we shift, never get off work. The, yeah, so you get the extra hours. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. 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 But, yeah that well, was a good call, though. <laughs> I'll bet you see lots of different things, lots of crazy things. But you have a very important role in our upcoming emergency medicine conference. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what your role is and what? like with air rescue or what they're doing for us and yeah yeah um, and why it's important maybe yeah well i think the conference is going to be really exciting um you know classic is is uh pretty excited to sort of you know sponsor it and we're going to be bringing up um a simulation trailer awesome um which has got like one of these high fidelity mannequins that uh coughs and talks and has trouble breathing and acts as close to a real person as possible so you can really get some legit training instead of like having to pretend like, you know, a skateboard is a person and be like, well, they're having trouble breathing. Like this really <laughs> does all that. And it really brings like critical training, you know, without having to actually like, you know, hit someone over the head and say, <laughs> you know, oh, there's a patient. Uh, <laughs> so you get to train when, you know, the outcome can be bad and not have it really be bad. So that's pretty neat. Um, and our trailer is really cool. It's, uh, we use it a lot in the company for training ourselves and it's set up in two fashions. It's, uh, it's basically like a camping trailer. But half of it is set up like an ER room where we pick up patients like for inter-facility transfers. And the other half has got an entire interior of a helicopter in it. So mm. we sort of then get the feel of working on someone inside tight space. So it's pretty neat. And to be able to bring people that don't do our job into that, it's a great training environment because they really then kind of see, oh, that's why you guys maybe want to stabilize the fracture here because getting to the patient's foot can be difficult in the helicopter. In the helicopter. Okay. So that I think that part is going to be really pretty cool. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of really good lectures. Um, you know, we'll have a booth there. Uh, we get a lot of uh, EMT paramedics, people that come up to us, uh, have questions about how to get into the careers um, and different things like that. So we're excited to participate again. We were there last year. And uh, has a keynote speaker been announced? Can I like, you I can, I'm pretty you can sure because like I'm speaker, super pumped yes. about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been listening to his podcast for about three years. It's Eric Bauer is going to be our keynote speaker. Uh, from Flight Bridge Ed, and so um, we're pretty pretty lucky, pretty happy to have him. Um, and he's just he has just a ton of knowledge when it comes to pre-hospital critical care medicine um, and flight medicine and, and things like that. And uh, he's well known around the world for you know lectures and podcasts and and, and his education that he provides. So 
we're super pumped about that. I'll be there. Yeah. Obviously, definitely. I have to say, Scott so. was the one that put us in touch with him, and we so appreciate that. We're so excited to have him and so excited for this upcoming conference and for... Yeah, it's going to be really good. I can't wait. Yeah. 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 We're going to have a blast, so come out. You know, come out. Podcast with, with Eric. Oh, that'll be cool. That's yeah. okay. Maybe we should invite you on this thing. Done. I'm like yeah. a I'm I'm like a like an Eric Bauer groupie there. Like I'll follow him around. And like yes. there we go. Oh, I'll get to so ask great. him questions and stuff, and just kind of panic is I'll just be like just talk because he's, he's awesome. Talk whatever you want to go, whatever you want to talk about. Just talk. Yeah, he's awesome. So that's great. Excited. Anything else you want to add about emergency medicine? Life flights, um, crazy events. Crazy <laughs> events. So I have a question. Okay. Yeah. What was the what was it like for you guys the first time you went up in the air in a helicopter? Helicopter. And there's yeah. our timer. We, it always happens with the last question, right? Uh, Perfect. Uh, Perfect. Well, that's, okay. well, that's great. End. A bonus at the end. We're going to get um, his question answered here as okay. soon as we wrap up. But okay. we do want to thank you for coming on this podcast and so grateful for your participation in the Emergency Medicine Conference and grateful for our p partnership with Portneuf and with Portneuf Air Rescue. So thank, thank you, you so, so very much. Thanks for having yes. us. If anybody wanted to get in touch with you guys, where would they do that? Uh, Website... Yeah, you can uh, you can go to Classic Air Medical. Um, you can come up to the hospital and knock on the door. Uh, we have a visitors. Dial Facebook. You can <laughs> dial nine one one. Yeah, you can have yeah. a heart attack. Uh, <laughs> you can see us on a good day or a bad day. Heart attack in the mountain. Yeah, right. Exactly. You could get lost. We do yeah. free search and rescue. We'll <laughs> just knock on your door. <laughs> <laughs> we have a Facebook page, uh, Porn Affair Rescue. We have a Instagram page. Um, so there's ways to send us messages, different things like that, and one of us will respond. Um, but, yeah, we do tours and yeah. things like that. So. That's great. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate thank you. it. Okay, and yeah, question. Oh, yes. The conference. When is it? Oh, conference, uh, emergency medicine conference, May 1st and 2nd. You don't want to miss it. If you have anything to do with emergency medicine, pre-hospital, post-hospital, Continuing Education Workforce Training Suite is comprised of professionals dedicated to serving your educational needs. We understand that when it comes to your future, it's all about you. Because our staff and faculty have real-world experience actually doing what they teach, our students obtain the skills and knowledge they are looking for to be competitive in today's marketplace. For more information, please visit our website, ctrain.isu.edu. That is c-e-train.isu.edu. Or call us at 208-282-3372. Um, for me, I, uh, I, had, I had left my job at the fire department um, pretty hastily when I got offered the job. Um, I kind of took the job with the flight before I even knew how much I was going to make. I sold it like a cheap lawn chair. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> wait, wait, how, how, wait, how much are they going to pay me? <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember I'd never flown in a helicopter prior to taking the job. So I showed up to work and I was like, ooh, 
I might have made a big mistake. <laughs> like, um, don't know how much I make. And yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, I could vomit. I, this is gonna be bad, right? Um, so yeah, you just get so overwhelmed by like the whole aviation side of thing. Like I'd been a paramedic already for like six years in a very busy urban area, um, so I felt like I had pretty good knowledge with my job. But when it came to flight, I suddenly like forgot everything you know <laughs> yeah. like you're, i mean that's why i said helicopter i mean that's really how you feel like they're like what's your name helicopter <laughs> you're just like flying along and you're just like sensory overload yeah. is how i felt you know <laughs> trying to do anything in the helicopter becomes exponentially harder than if you're like in an ambulance or at the bedside of the hospital so that was overwhelming but um i did one ride along with the university of utah with air med um, and actually got a really cool scene call. Actually, I almost got ditched on it because we were up super high and the patient was uh, heavier set, and uh, I almost couldn't ride back down, but luckily <laughs> made weight. Um, so um, I was really excited. Um, I love flying. I didn't know how I was going to do in a helicopter. I'd never actually been in one, but I went up on the ride along, and um, yeah, everything was just awesome. I was loving it, so... And, you know, the helicopter we fly here is much bigger than the 407 that, that I did the ride along in. But, um, and it's just smooth. It's awesome. It's a good ride. Yeah, nice. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Thank you. Thank you again for coming. Thank you. Awesome.